Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the self-proclaimed world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. And I'm here with a very special guest, CBS's own Roger Gonzalez. Thank you very much for your time today, Roger, and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. No problem. Yeah, so we're in a steam company, Cookie Pod listeners, and we're going to delve into a bit of Premier League action, a bit of USA men's nationals team, and then a little bit of MLS having the uh, the MLS Cup just finished last weekend. So, Roger, I'll start with the most pressing news. Uh, in my opinion, one of the best Premier League strikers of all time, Sergio Aguero, unfortunately, had to announce his retirement today due to heart problems. Do you think Aguero is the best Premier League striker of your lifetime? I think you certainly make a case for it, right? With the consistency that he brought every single season. You know, I think there may have been players in the past that maybe blew me away more. Uh, you know, Thierry Henry comes to mind, but obviously what Aguero was able to do coming to the league. And, you know, someone who, you know, as a 17-year-old in Argentina, uh, played for the club that my my wife's family supports down there, Independiente, uh, from the first moment he was on the field, you could tell that there was something special there. And, you know, whether it was at, you know, Atletico Madrid or when he went to City, just a consistent player who, despite not having a whole lot of size, could could produce, was quick, was clinical, and, uh, you know, helped elevate a team like Manchester City that, you know, obviously uh, didn't have the, 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 the biggest history, uh, you know, before he arrived, but now has turned them into a, helped turn them into a global brand and one of the biggest clubs in the world. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like you just said, you've named Thierry Henry. I'm 26 years old, so Alan Shearer was a bit before my time, but I would say definitely in my era, Sergio Aguero and Thierry Henry, 100%. And he's obviously, he's only been at Barcelona for six months and he's 33 years old, which is kind of young for a footballer. Do you believe that Messi going to PSG and Aguero, obviously having his time at Barcelona cut short, do you think that impacts the Argentinian national team immensely now? Um, probably not quite. I mean, I think Aguero's role with the national team has been reduced significantly for, for years now. You know, under Lionel Scaloni, they've been looking to, to form a national team that's that's younger, that, you know, trying to get some new blood into the team and, and, and bring them back to the top, which they were able to do over the summer by winning the Copa America. So, you know, Aguero didn't feature much at all. Uh, the future really up top for, for Argentina feels like it is messy with, you know, players like Lautaro Martinez. Uh, there's there's a young striker named Julian Alvarez at River Plate who's going to be absolutely incredible in Europe, I think, regularly scoring multiple goals a game. And so, um, yeah, I think his role, you know, for the national team uh, wasn't, there wasn't much left there uh, anyways, but it's certainly disappointing to see his, you know, his career end like this. You know, he he went to Barcelona for for one main reason, and that was to play with Messi, who was one of his best friends. And so to have that fall apart with Messi going to PSG and he, him being left in a in a really tricky situation at a club that's you know not very stable at the moment uh, is, is a shame. And you know, he always had said too that he wanted to go back to Argentina and finish his career with Independiente. And unfortunately, you know, the fans down there, one of the biggest clubs, uh, the team with the most Copa Libertadores titles, you know, the Champions League equivalent, uh, they're not going to be able to see that. So it's an unfortunate ending, but, you know, obviously health comes first. Yeah, 100% health comes first. And your wife will be absolutely gutted that Aguero is not going to get his, his homecoming. And it's even worse that it's been taken completely out of his hands, like you said, due to health reasons. But sticking to uh, the Premier League and Manchester City, my question to you, Roger, is who do you think is going to win the Premier League this year? I know it's not an easy question. 
Yeah, no, I mean, it's not, you know, I mean, I think, you know, we've seen some inconsistencies with Chelsea. We've seen them struggle defensively, you know, not having Christensen and, and kind of trying to, you know, obviously not having players in the middle too, like they've had in the past, you know, with these injuries, with, whether we're talking about Angolo Conte or, or Mateo Kovacic. So I think it's really, you know, Liverpool and, and Manchester City. And, you know, it's really, you know, hard to, to pick between either. You know, I think it will really come down to the, the team that stays the healthiest because they're neck and neck. Uh, you know, it's obviously close in the table. If I had to pick, I mean, oh, goodness, it's so, it's so, so challenging. I, I Maybe I would lean Liverpool right now. I think both of them, though, are capable of having those games where they need some good fortune to uh, to get by, as we saw them benefiting recently by, by penalty kicks in 1-0 victories, 1-0 victories. So I'll go Liverpool, uh, you know, just slightly, but, you know, it's not going to surprise me at the end of the day if it's City. And it's not going to surprise me that either of them, you know, if one wins the Premier League and one wins the Champions League. No, like I said, it's not an, uh, an easy question. And it's it's a two-and-a-half horse race, you could kind of say, with Chelsea's inconsistencies. But uh, sticking with Chelsea, a player um, who's very close to my heart, I am a Chelsea fan, uh, Christian Pulisic. Um, I just want to know, Roger, do you think this is his make-or-break year at Chelsea, given the fact that he's been injured so much during his career at Chelsea? Yeah, I mean, it's tricky. We've seen links, you know, to, to Barcelona and things like that. You know, he's someone who had always wanted to, to play for Chelsea. Uh, you know, I, I think for him, you know, not being a consistent starter uh, drives him to, to try and, and, and achieve that. When you, when you have a team with that much talent and players that I think are just slightly better uh, than him in attack, you know, I think Mason Mount is a fantastic player. Hakeem Ziyech, I've always thought he was, uh, you know, at, at Ajax, someone who hasn't quite delivered as much, at much, as much at Chelsea as I thought he would, but someone with limitless potential. I, I think for Pulisic, it's kind of at this point of, you know, having his role as an occasional starter and, you know, coming off the, the bench to be kind of a super sub. But, you know, he scored in the Champions League semifinals. He's helped this team, you know, in, in several moments. And it's, a shame that he can't, you know, seem to, to, to stay healthy. It's, you know, not that it's derailed his career. You know, he certainly has all the potential there. Um, but I think he's going to have to come to a decision of, you know, is this a role that he's okay with? Or is he going to try to find, you know, a club where he can be uh, an absolute starter week in and week, week out? So he's got some tough decisions to make going forward. And, you know, I think he's at a good spot right now. But, you know, everyone will want to be playing more than he is. The fact that... He's so versatile. Obviously, at Chelsea, we've seen him play in the false nine this season. We've play, seen him on the left, on the right, and we've even seen him at wing-back. Do you think with all these injuries, the fact that he is so versatile will help his career and maybe prolong his Chelsea career in the process? Yeah, potentially. I mean, we've seen, you know, uh, Thomas Tuchel loving to have players who can play, you know, a variety of roles. And, you know, it's not easy to, to play in different positions. So the fact that he could, you know, adequately play multiple positions is, is something that any manager would like to have you know, in, in his back pocket as, you know, in, with these injuries that come up or just how he seems that match developing and, and needing someone to, to fill those shoes. So the versatility is certainly one of the biggest pluses. And, and, you know, and on top of that, just, you know, his ability to 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 move quickly with the ball. We've seen, you know, the moments where he can just kind of, it seems like he's in just another level of speed than the defenders and makes them look silly and, and can produce some really nice moments. So, um, you know, he's, He's someone that has a lot of value for the club if he's used the right way. And, you know, we'll have to see how that role is uh, moving forward. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of Christian Pulisic, and I personally think the sky's the limit for him personally, as long as he can stay 100% fit and when he takes his opportunities on the pitch. Uh, just for example, I was at the game at Burnley where he's got a perfect hat-trick, and I thought, this is where he kicks on now. This is We put all that behind him, this is where he kicks on, and then he gets injured, and then the lockdown, and then he comes back playing amazing after the lockdown. So I think if Chelsea can keep him fit, then it, he would be a great weapon in our arsenal, especially with his versatility, like we've already highlighted. But we're going to move across the pond now, Roger. We're going to move towards New York. They won the MLS Cup, New York City FC. The first one for the city, not just for New York City FC, for the city. How important do you think that is? for the city of New York and how bad do you think that is for the Red Bulls? Yeah. I mean, it's nice to see, you know, a club come in. We've seen so many clubs come in and just have so many issues. Uh, these expansion teams, you know, inter Miami has been a bit of a mess, but there have been teams that have set a standard like Atlanta United and, and New York city has followed suit, you know, in six seasons, you know, getting, getting to the, the final and winning. And I think, you know, looking at them, they've got, they've got a lot of really, young good players south american players who you know have that technical ability have experienced players like maxi morales who you know was a really good player in italy when he was at atalanta before they were the atalanta of now uh and i think you know for the city to have you know a a club that they can kind of get behind you know it's strange because you have you know the new york red bulls you know they play in harrison new jersey which is you know strange to begin with so it certainly feels like New York City FC is, you know, New York's team, though, you know, the Red Bulls have been around, you know, since the beginning when they were the Metro Stars, one of the coolest logos that MLS had back in the day. I think, um, you know, they're, they're playing at Yankee Stadium. It's not ideal. That whole situation with getting a stadium has, you know, for years now has been kind of back and forth, whether it would happen or not. You know, I, I think, you know, having that pedigree of, you know, coming from, you know, the city football group and knowing that there will be consistent investment in the team. Uh, it, it's funny to see now, though, you know, after all the years of having, you know, WV uh, having, uh, you know, Frank Lampard, Andre Pirlo, um, now they don't really have anyone quite of that magnitude, but they have found a consistent core for their team to, to bring home a championship. And it's been uh, quite the uh, whirlwind season for them. And, but I think they're the deserved champions. Castellanos has been amazing this season for them and he's been although like you said they don't have a, a Via Lampard or Pirlo star power they've found the winning formula to win MLS Cup anyway and um, no shame in admitting this I recently got into MLS probably about five years ago I would say um, it was the I think it was the debut season of Atlanta United and then in the second season having watched them on Sky Sports in this country because we didn't get a lot of coverage up until about four years ago um, I fell in love with that team, the team of uh, like Barco, um, uh, Michael Parkhurst, um, Joseph Martinez, uh, etc. And like you've just mentioned then, Roger, it looks like a carbon copy of this New York team with this Atlanta team following the South American business model, like you said. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of these South American players that I know that have played in MLS, they see it as a potential stepping stone, you know. While the quality might not be there in comparison to, you know, overall, you know, you compare it to leagues like in Argentina and Brazil where, you know, especially Argentina, maybe they don't have the, the financial resources, but there's just so many really good young players there. Uh, I think one of the overlooked aspects, though, too, is, you know, being able to come to the U.S., uh, you know, which is, you know, it's a, it's a great place to be. We've got, you know, uh, these the sport that's 
on the rise. It's more popular than it ever has been here. Uh, being able to even just earn in dollars compared to, you know, say like the Argentine peso, which is every day is worth less. I mean, these are big reasons why these players come here for the comfort. You know, they can they can walk around and maybe not really get recognized and not have to deal with that, you know, constant, you know, pressure of kind of being, uh, you know, well known and, and, and outdoors that, you know, see like celebrities have to deal with the whole paparazzi thing. Uh, but also just, you know, viewing it as a league that they know is growing. I think a lot of attackers know that, you know, MLS maybe has a long ways to go defensively. Uh, we've seen so many attackers come here and just be able to to set the league on fire. And that only helps them, you know, when it comes to making more of a name for themselves, producing, and, uh, you know, maybe getting on the radar of some of these teams in Europe. We saw Miguel Amiron do that, you know, ahead of his move to, to Newcastle. He was obviously so good for Atlanta when they, when they won. And so, um, I think this is a league that is only getting better. still has a long ways to go, but their investment in South American players has certainly been really important to the growth. Even for the five years that I've been watching MLS, exponentially it's grown as a league, Intel, even with the professionalism of the expansion sides as well. And there's expansion sides come in uh, here, there and everywhere. I know we've got Austin, Minnesota's came in the past three years. Um, I can't, um, Nashville, sorry, another one off the top of my head. I think that the the way that all the franchises are looking at the models that came before them and the, apart from in some Miami where they've been like, okay, they've made mistakes. And I think like, like you said there, the Atlanta United business model of looking into South America, there's so many pros to these players to come here. Like you said, the pace was less and less every day, just the notoriety of coming to this league. It's a growing league. And like you said, there's room for improvement with defenders, but there's a player in MLS that I've had my eye on for about 18 months now. And I know, it's a player that you're uh, very wax lyrical about, Ricardo Pepe. And I know this guy's good, but how far do you think he can go? How far do you think his glass ceiling is? Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting because he's he plays bigger than he is. I mean, he seems like he's uh, like a, a tall player. He's really not all that big, but he can he can, he can get up for headers. He can do a bit of everything. He combines well with his teammates. And yeah, I think he has a lot of potential you know, to be a consistent player in Europe. Sometimes I get hesitant where, you know, maybe the, the U S fan base can be a bit unrealistic in expectations and just assuming, um, you know, this next player is going to be, you know, the greatest thing. I think there's so much young talent here talking about Pulisic, Gio Reyna, Weston McKinney. And I think Pepe is someone who maybe initially I hadn't seen a whole lot of his early games wasn't sure quite the consistency, you know, that he'd be able to provide, but then saw him with the national team exceed expectations. I didn't expect him to be able to come in and make such an impact, especially in CONCACAF, which is just, you're playing on these miserable fields and these wild environments. And it's just, it's not easy. So he's really done well. And it seems to, you know, just be consistent on, on every level. So I think he's someone who we will see, you know, in Europe, at a, a fairly big club, I would say kind of middle range to big club. I mean, we've got Dortmund's interested in him, Ajax. I, I was recently told Atletico Madrid has been interested as well. And he wants to move, you know, he wants to move now. He's gone to the club multiple times to, to request a transfer. Uh, they want to hold on to him. They want to see him blow up at the World Cup and then be able to, you know, to get a whole lot more for his transfer after missing out on some sales in the past. So I think... Uh, he's it's interesting because there's there's an added pressure in the sense that the U.S. men's national team needs a striker. Um, 
And I mean, he's got all the tools to, to, to fill that. And so, you know, he's going to have every opportunity to, to be that number nine moving forward. Uh, and I think Europe is obviously the move to, to further develop. I mean, the way players live, breathe, and eat the sport there, how 24-7 it is, how consuming it is, you know, you're playing against better players every single day. And that's, that's the key, I think, to progression at, at his age. So, yeah, before long, we'll see him there, and I expect him to do well. Yeah, just a few of the clubs you mentioned there for his development, Borussia Dortmund and Ajax are two of the best places in the world, let alone Europe, to develop as a young footballer. <laughs> and I think Ricardo Pepe is the sky's his limit. He's still a teenager, lest we forget. He's a guy who, like you said, is very versatile in terms of what he can offer to the game. I feel like his back-to-goal plays even improved as, as the nine in these past 18 months. And do you think that the main stumbling block for these MLS clubs is they're maybe trying to hold on to a Ricardo Pepe for too much money and then it hinders the development instead of helping them. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the FC Dallas even came out and said the other day, I think it was Dan Hunt who said that they, you know, they, they're worried like if that if he goes to Europe, something to the effect of it could hurt his place for the national team. And I think, it's, you know, it's the complete opposite. Um, you know, obviously, you don't want to you want to go abroad and, and get minutes. Um, but I think there is a risk in holding on to players. I mean, if they were to you know, try to keep them for next season and God forbid there's an injury or something, I mean, they could, you know, derail everything. Um, so I get wanting to hold on to the players and, you know, try to get the most out of, uh, you know, it's a business at the end of the day. I think it's a similar situation with Miles Robinson in, in Atlanta. The club says there's no offers. I'm told there are offers. Uh, and so it's kind of, you know, back and forth of, you know, kind of the pros and cons of selling and keeping. And so um, I get FC Dallas's stance, though, wanting to keep him. I mean, he's, you know, one of the top players in the league, can score plenty of goals. They have a young nucleus of players and a new coach who he knows well, Nico Estevez, who was a, a national team assistant coach for the U.S. Um, so, you know, it's going to be – I don't I don't know if it's going to turn into one of those, you know, sagas and a back and forth and then – you know, how long it's going to take. But, you know, I think sooner rather than later, a move to Europe needs to happen. For anyone who's not really aware or just doesn't know, for lack of a better term, of Ricardo Pepe, he's a, a hometown guy, he's a Dallas fan. So you must know uh, how hard this is in to actually force this move for it. It's his hometown club. And he's basically saying, I want to leave because I want to I want to test myself against the best and, and credit to him. But my final question for you, Roger, is just one about the U.S. players in Europe. So just to name a few for the listeners, we've got Tyler Adams, Christian Pulisic, Weston McKenney, uh, and Gio Reyna, just to name a few, Brendan Aronson. Who do you think has the biggest talent out of the lot of them to succeed in Europe? I think it's Gio Reyna, and I don't think it's close. I think he's far and away the, the top prospect. I just think, you know, somebody who the sport, <clears throat> a lot of these guys have had the sport, you know, in their family and, and were born with the ball at their feet, but... You know, his, his grandpa played in Argentina. His dad, obviously, Claudio Reyna, played for Fulham, played for Manchester City, right? played in Germany as well. Uh, he, he's just someone who I think uh, the technical ability that he has, though sometimes we see him play you know, on the right, he's someone who you can put at you know, like a, the number 10 and just be uh, a, a superstar, I think. You know, while Pulisic has the name and has you know, obviously achieved more, and getting that development at Dortmund, where where Giorena is now, uh, Reina I think just has something a little bit different. Uh, and I think it's 
part of it is, you know, where I think he could play positionally and just how important that, you know, creative engine is to every single team, uh, you know, kind of like a, a quarterback is in, in American football. I, I think really for him, you know, there's been interest, reported interest from Real Madrid. Uh, I think he's someone who could play at a club of that level in time. A lot of development needs to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me that if at the end of the day he's up to this point, if he's the best uh, U.S. men's national team player we've seen. Yeah, the the familiar trend that I see with all the U.S. players in Europe is a fearlessness, a sense of fearlessness that they're like, we, we are not fazed at all by this stage and the players that we're playing against because, in my opinion, the U.S. men's national team in around five years will be seriously competing uh, in terms of them. It won't even be a will they qualify. It will be they should easily qualify just for the sheer plethora of talent that they've got. But I'd just like to thank you, Roger, just for your time today and obviously for coming on and doing the podcast. Uh, if you can just let the listeners know where they can find you and what you've got going on just so they can go and check you out. Yeah, at cbssports.com. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at CBS. You know, we do a bunch of everything here in the United States. We have the television rights to the Champions League, to Serie A. You know, we write on all the leagues. We touch on the Premier League. We've got writers based in Europe as well. And so I think... Uh, we have a different style of kind of how we present things uh, in our articles and try to kind of, you know, see how we can kind of make it our own. And, you know, for example, writing about Aguero retiring, we'll write a story while, you know, he's leaving. Here's three players Barcelona should consider to replace him. So I think there's some fun stuff there that, that people will enjoy and then hope people can go and then check us out. But yeah, thank you very much again for your time, Roger. And take care. Hope you stay safe, you and the family. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays.